G'day gang. Um, some weeks are a little tougher than others. For example, this week, um, it's Friday. I was going to film this morning because I didn't get to film during the week because God changed his mind on what I should preach. Um, I had another sermon written, but then there were a number of quite amazing moments where God pointed me to a completely different verse and different idea that I'm going to present today. So that meant I had to scrap, scrap the previous sermon and bring this one to you. Now that was all fine, <clears throat> except this morning when I got up to shoot, it was pouring with rain, like absolutely bucketing. So I went to the church and I filmed the first part of this sermon there, only to discover when I got home that the file is corrupt and there was no way of getting around it. So this is take two on a take two for the sermon this week. But my hope and my prayer is that God would meet you powerfully through it. That God would really enrich you and move in you in a way that you haven't experienced. So I'm going to pray into that and then we're going to um, move into what I feel God has for us today. Let's pray. Beautiful, loving God, just um, make your, your word and your heart become real to us. Reveal yourself, avail yourself to us today. That whilst we be um, in the position we are in, both individually and corporately and as a country, Lord, may we know and experience your grace, your kindness, your power, your Holy Spirit today. We pray these things in your powerful name. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. I must say that a lot because every time Hamish finishes praying grace or finishes praying at night, he finishes with, and everybody agreed and said, Amen. So, moving on. Let me give you an example that will help us get into what we're talking about tonight. If you're married... Um, or have been married, you hopefully will understand the value of a date night. And a date night might happen each week, let's say on a, on a Wednesday night. So a couple has a date night on a Wednesday night, and that Wednesday night is, is set aside for them to enjoy one another, to learn about each other's weeks, to catch up, to share their hopes and dreams, to talk about concerns that they may have had, to really um, connect again. Um, and a couple might have a date night like that for quite some time, might go really, really well. And then let's say that something disrupts that. Let's say, um, oh, a child comes along. That's a pretty good disrupt disruption because children disrupt everything. And so the child comes along um, and and all of a sudden that baby needs caring for and tending and babysitters are hard to come by and it's just crazy. And so date night that maybe was on a Wednesday night goes on hold and doesn't happen anymore. And so that couple sort of uh, come to terms with this new change and start to adapt to it and work through and make sure the baby's looked after and so forth. Until it comes to the point where one day, exhausted and sitting there, the couple have a realization. And the realization is, we haven't really connected, have we? we? We've just, we haven't, we're not really grown apart, but we're like two ships just passing in the night. We don't talk like we used to. We're too tired and, and they, they have this moment, this aha moment. And in that moment, they, they're not thinking our love's gone or our commitment to one another's gone or our marriage is over. They've just realized, oh, they've been missing one another. That dynamic is why we're running the marriage course. And so it starts on Monday and a course happening on Wednesday for those of you who are like, yeah, I actually, I, I want to really plug in and build into my marriage. But I think the same thing can happen with us and God, can't it? Our love for God doesn't change. Our commitment for God doesn't change. But the intimacy that we experience with God, maybe it does. Because the date night is Sundays. 
is Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons. It's where we come together as worship and we rely on that spiritually to make a significant difference in our lives. It's like we have a date with our faith and with God and it replenishes so much. But circumstances have changed and that's sort of been taken away from us. We no longer have that privilege as we've always understood it and as we've always engaged. So like a couple that have a child, we need to adapt to that and change to that and work out how life works in the midst of us losing our date night, our Sunday gathering. Because our spiritual life shouldn't be hampered by that, but it is. Like if we're honest about it, all of us have felt spiritually the effect of not being able to come to worship together. And that seeps through. And if we're just not honest about it, if we if we like pretend that there's some shame in that, and oh my gosh, we actually disservice ourselves even more. But the question I want to look at today is 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 God giving us an opportunity and calling us to lean more into Him? during this period does does god call us into a space where he wants us to find him in new and wonderful ways and how do we do that because sunday can become a replacement for our spiritual lives and we don't want that we know that's not right we know sunday should actually be the culmination of our worship through the week coming being brought together and offered to god but sometimes it's it's the replacement of intimacy and 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 it a sustained spiritual life, just like a sustained marriage, cannot cope. It cannot be thriving under those circumstances. So is it possible God is wanting us to lean more into our spiritual life? Well, there's a problem with that, isn't it? And this is what I've experienced personally, and so I'll put my cards on the table, and, and I hope you will too. Um, that keeping your life, your spiritual life, vibrantly on track can feel like, well... Let me give you a story to explain what it might feel like. There was a, uh, in Greek mythology, one of the ancient gods was the god Sis- Sisyphus. He would have had a hard time in primary school with that name, I'm sure. And Sisyphus, Sisyphus, sorry, Sisyphus, um, was uh, known as the god of Ephra, uh, which later became known of, as Corinth. And so he was the kind of the king or the emperor or the god of, of that place. And, um, and he was punished one day because he was... Well, he had tickets on himself. He was a little bit, little bit up himself. He was a little bit like um, vain, and as a result of his vanity, he would use that to manipulate others and treat others badly. Anyway, the other gods, the king gods, as you can tell, I'm not very well versed in Greek mythology, but the other gods decided that he would be punished, and so his punishment was to push a giant boulder up a hill for eternity. And Sisyphus says he would push this giant boulder up the hill. He would get right to the very pinnacle of the hill like he has succeeded, like no more work needs to be done. And just as it reached that point, it would tip over and roll down the other side of the mountain. He would have to go round to where the rock is and push it up the hill. And it felt like his entire mission was to push a giant boulder up a hill. Does your spiritual life feel like that sometimes? Pray more, read your Bible more, do more good, go to church more, read this more, think this more. Just pushing a giant boulder up a hill and I'm exhausted. So what do we do? Well, here's the beauty of it. And this is what God has been saying to me all week. In Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I 
am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Here's the absolute brilliance of this verse, this theological dynamic. God isn't exalted in this world by me doing more. He's exalted by me being still and knowing that he is God. Wow. How amazing is that? God is exalted by me being still and acknowledging that he is God. Well, that's easy. Uh, Than doing all that other stuff that I, I freak out that I'm not doing quite well or good enough at or feels like I'm pushing a boulder up the hill. God says, don't worry about what your output looks like. Worry about what your posture is. Are you coming before God in that way? John 15 says it a different way. John reminds us. Um, he, he talks about how we actually can relate to Christ, how we do this stop and be still. It's, it's great. Listen to this. This is John 15 uh, from verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. Remain in me. That, that, that word remain is often translated in other versions to abide, to hang out, to spend time with, to be comfortable in the presence of another, to rest, to stop with someone, to abide, to remain. Interestingly, the word remain is the word that we get the word remember from. So to remain in something, to remain in a memory is to remember that memory. Have you ever realized how much of your present is influenced and impacted by your past? Good or bad, you carry the experiences of your past into your present, right? Um, and, and it influences how often, how the present turns out by what we remember or what we choose to remember and choose to act out. And so much of our spiritual health pivots on what we remember. Have you thought about that before? So much of our spiritual health pivots on what we remember. So instead of pushing a rock uphill forever, let go of the rock, go sit on the rock, because let's talk about what it means to wait to sit on the rock instead of lugging that thing up and down the hill, which, let's be honest, none of us want to experience. So, remember. Remember what? Remember what? What are we supposed to remember? God, uh, the scripture repeatedly tells us to remember, but remember what? Well, Paul helps. Paul helps when he said some words that we've used every month, basically ever since it first happened. They're the words that frame our communion service. The words from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, what did he say? This is my body, which is for you. Do this in what? 
Even if you haven't heard it, you're like, remembrance, memory, remember, do this in remembrance of me. Do, do this as you remember me. Remembering requires us to be still and calm for the fullness of those memories to come back. So what does Paul say, remember? What's he talking about? Remember what? Remember on that cross what God did for us? When, when, he, when, he, when he hung on the cross, the love of God for us is what held him to that cross. The conviction of the Holy Spirit to endure and face death so that we would find a way to avoid it. The embrace of a holy God as he embraced all our sin and all our brokenness. And, and he, he took it from us so we don't have to hold on to it anymore. The forgiveness that he knew the only way that forgiveness could be fully put upon us is if he paid the price that we would do. That's what Paul says. Remember that. Oh, remember that. Wow. What happens when you remember that? When you're sitting here right now watching this or you kind of feel like the rug's been pulled from out, out from under you in life or you have some devastating news or what you had your heart set on has been taken away or someone you love deeply has betrayed you or, or your health has just been shattered or someone, someone you've, you've connected your life to has, has passed away. What do you remember then? God says, remember me, remember what I did for you. Remember that there is hope in this that the cross offers. There is hope in this that God offers. Right now when you think, oh my gosh, what, what's happening in this world? What's happening in the country? You've got family in Victoria and is it going to come up here? And are they going to close the border? And, and oh, should I be worried? And, and the fear that can grip us and take hold of us. And, and, and Paul says, when we're in the midst of that, remember what Jesus did. Remember the cross. Remember everything that the cross holds. Be still and know that God is God. God can only be God if the cross is real. The cross is a, a symbol of God's majesty and sovereignness and power that stands in the center of all time. That when we look to, we are infu infused with hope and strength for the future, not with fear and anxiety for the things that we face. Jesus, through what he did on the cross, he altered everything. He took our need, he took the need away from us to be anything other than who he created us to be. He, 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 all the things that separate us from God, he took and destroyed. Everything that hinders us from abiding in God and for God meeting to us, Jesus rendered powerless. And when we remember that, Something gets renewed in us. See, remembering equals renewing. When we remember what we have in God, we are renewed with who we are in God. When we remember what Jesus has done, we experience right now what Jesus can do. When we remember the sacrifice that God was willing to pay for us, the, 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 the fruit of that sacrifice, the, the wealth and the resource and the, the reward of that sacrifice becomes ours right 
now. Remembering equals renewing. When you think about what you have been saved from, that should give you a sense of, of hope for the future. I was saved from my sin and my brokenness and my mess. And, and now, now the future is different. When, when you think that you have been accepted by God when nobody should have accepted you at all, you're acceptable to everybody if God accepts you. When you, when you recall how you were before and the difference God has made in your life since, that's a difference God wants to keep on making in you because he loves you so much. He cares for you so much. His spirit is so much for you. He just wants you to know it and he wants you to know it by remembering. And the only way you're going to find space to remember is if you just be still with God. Be still and know that he is God. So let me share with you a few ways that I personally use to be still. Um, and, and I'll just talk you through them. They're, they're, they're not amazing. They're just things I do that I find are really, really helpful that you might find really helpful too. So, so we'll do that. But to do that, I need to change where I am. So let's um, come with me. An important part of my uh, spiritual routine is a devotion. And so I use this app. It's the Bible app. And basically we're doing a, um, uh, a devotion at the moment called Hope in the Dark. We being Village Church and anybody else that wants to be part of it. So if you want to be part of it, please let me know. And basically you have a devotional aspect. And so you read through that. When you get to the end, you, you click next, and then you have the scripture. And once you've read that, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that it may be herald, so that a herald may run with it. And I then start asking question, what does that mean to me? And I start journaling it. So I'll put the um, the scripture at the top. I'll then write down some initial thoughts, and then I'll wait. And I'll say, God, what is it you want to speak to me? How, how do you want to make this uh, living word live in my life? And then when it's um, when it's done, you can go through the different scriptures, as you can see. And then um, it gradually ticks them off as you go through. I'm not going to tick them all off because then I'll forget to do it for today. But I will very shortly. So this chair time um, in my office really anchors me every day to being still with God. And I'd encourage you to find your chair time, wherever that might be. A place where you can be still. And you can let everything else kind of fade away and really... Um, allow yourself to be gods being out in god's creation is another thing that just ah that's my soul to sing um it's a pathway uh, there's many different pathways for some it's about being quiet and being alone for others it's being more intellectual for some it's prayer for some it's being um, social with other christians for some it's creation uh, for others it might be creating something or serving something there's a myriad of pathways i just encourage you to find find your own pathway that when you can be in that space you can actually be one with god you can feel like yeah i'm feeling the peace of god and the place of god and the calm of God in this space that I'm currently in. For us to live on mission, it can't be accidental. It's true. And it can't be that we, we kind of hope, oh, we've been that before. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, that was that's still my third space, even if you're not engaging with it. That's, nice. That's kind of cheating, right? Yeah, true. We're living on mission right now. Right it's good, now, eh? You have a third space. And if you don't, right. yeah. if you don't have a space where you're connecting with people who don't go to church, you're not living on mission. Oh, so, it's true. 
He's good, isn't he? Watching the Sunday services, but also watching other resources on the net. There are thousands and thousands and thousands, probably millions of resources out there that you can engage in. This is us each week, and there's the backlog of all the sermons there and messages, but there's a whole host of other wonderful resources that can aid you in finding that space to be with God and to reflect on God and to find the calmness of God, to feed yourself spiritually. So I am, um, I really enjoyed this guy. He's He's really good, he is. He's top-notch. Oh, 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 sorry. Um, hang on. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but private worship. Like, my car, I've got a village playlist on Spotify. It just plays. And it allows me, when I'm going to meetings, when I'm coming to church, when I'm going anywhere, to actually worship God without... Um, any other pre pretenses it kind of makes this place he says as the garbage truck in the background comes by um, this place is becomes a place of worship where I can worship God and so I'd encourage you what music do you love and and get that on personal devices so you can listen to it in your headphones or in your car or maybe at home or wherever that is and just increase the amount of worship opportunities your soul gets to connect with God and gets to be still I find that when I worship in this way that God um, God meets me uh, quite profoundly and I'd also like to say um, uh, and I haven't got any footage of this because it'd be weird but hanging out with other Christians and talking faith things and encouraging one another and praying for one another and, and actually just engaging in that human space with others. I think that for me it becomes a real valuable way of, of being still, being present, being there with God without um, having to feel the pressure of those things. So enabling relationships to, um, to create avenues for, um, for us to meet with God. Apologies again for that terrible singing but you know what, it doesn't matter because it's between me and God. I'm back. Did you gain something from that? I hope as you were watching that little segment just then that you were reminded of things that you do to remember God or you looked at those things and said, that doesn't work for me, but this might work for me. And what I would love you to do, because we need to increase a little bit of back and forward, we need to get some more input into these videos than just me. What we're gonna do is I would invite you to email me right here. Email me this week and tell me the best ways you've found to remember God. What works for you? What do you use? And just put the subject like feedback loop. We'll make a feedback loop so we can have feedback, we can have some conversation, and then others can be enriched by what you've learned, right? So, so just email me, feedback loop. What have you found has worked for you in a daily process of remembering God? Because what you have to contribute will help others and what they have to contribute will help you so i'd encourage you to do that but let's just create some feedback conversation about this what works for you see we can't replace our date night right now we can't have sundays in a space where we're all together and we're all worshiping god and we're letting the, the work that god has done in us kind of like be brought to him and, and experience his spirit we we can't do it and we don't know when we're going to be able to do it. But our relationship with God doesn't have to suffer because of this. It's important that we each take on the responsibility that the Sunday doesn't determine our relationship. Sunday service becomes the expression of our relationship with God. And so is it possible that God is wanting you to lean more and more into your spiritual life, into your personal devotion, 
with him is is it possible and and how will you lean and how will you remember and how will you be still and when so let me pray for you and i want to pray a really short prayer that i want you to repeat so repeat each line and pray each line as it's your prayer to god let's pray Lord, inject me with your love, your holiness, goodness, and sovereignty. Let it go deep, deep inside me and explode out of me as a transformed life.